Well, today we start a new series on the third letter of John. And today we end our series on the third letter of John. <laughs> the, the third letter of John is the shortest book in the entire Bible. 216 words in the original language. And it takes less than two minutes to read it out loud. And as the name implies, third John is a letter. And unlike Paul's letters to the Romans or the Corinthians or, or even Peter's letters that we looked at last month, which contain so many memorable verses and in-depth instructions aimed at, at a larger group like the church in Corinth or Rome, Third John is really just a short personal note from the Apostle John to a guy named Gaius. It's so short, it's almost... Uh, just like a little email message. When emails were just starting, remember back then, AOL became famous for announcing whenever you had email. It would say, you've got mail. You've got mail. Yeah, just like that. Now that was before you got hundreds of emails a day. And before people started communicating with Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook. And it was a throwback to the days when getting a physical letter in the mailbox was an exciting thing. You've got mail. You are someone special. Or you're hearing from someone special. Mail was, mail was exciting. And so when email started off, it tried to capture that same excitement of getting a letter, only in electronic form. Well, in doing some research for the series uh, last summer on my Uncle Pete, I came across a collection of letters from his great-uncle, his namesake, un great-uncle Peter Rowley. And these written letters were written way back in the pioneer days from, I, I was going to say Washington State, but it wasn't even a state back then. It says Washington Territory. And... In these letters, uh, I thought I was going to get some real insights into life in the pioneer times. This is, we're talking about uh, the early 1880s, when young Peter, 20 years old, left his parents and his brother and sister in, in Minnesota here and went off to the frontier to seek his fortune. And... There's this whole collection of letters that I have from him. And uh, I was really looking for some choice bits. Uh, you know, maybe he ran into a Native American chief or saw somebody famous back then. Um, but no. Basically, the letters are the same kind of stuff that a 20-year-old might write to his parents uh, even today if 20-year-olds wrote letters. Um, his, uh, his handwriting is really pretty good. Uh, and he, well, he says, My dear father and mother, I received your very welcome letter yesterday and now sit myself down to try and answer it, although there's nothing new to write. Um, I will let you know that I am well and hope this will find you enjoying good health. I'm still working at the same place and 
And he goes on and on. And, and the letter talks about things like the weather, uh, the farm news. He's, he uh, says, oh, Pa, you forgot to tell me how much the steer weighed. I'm anxious to know. And, and how much did that hog weigh that you sold? You know, just the basic stuff of life. And he talks about, uh, you know, he's trying to find a better job and, and all of this. And then he closes almost every letter by hoping that he will get a letter in return. Please write soon, for I'm always so tickled to get a letter from you. And he says, this is from your son, Peter, to his dearly beloved parents, Lovisa and Darius Rowley. And then he adds again, do not forget to write soon. <laughs> well, there's not much in, in these letters of interest to, to anybody outside the family, uh, as much as, a, as I looked. But Peter's mother kept these, and they were passed down through five generations of family to me. And she kept them not so much about because of what was in them, but because of who wrote them. They were a special connection between mom and son. And they're special to me because I feel a connection to a relative that I never got to meet because he died way before I was even born. Well, the third letter of John is, is like these letters. It's not so much the contents that, that's in there because it's mostly ordinary stuff, nothing too memorable. And you may even wonder why it's in the Bible. But this letter is special because of who wrote it. It's a connection to a person that we've heard a lot about, but who died long before we were born. It's a connection to our beloved Apostle John. And that's probably the main reason why the Christians have kept this letter and kept passing it on. But I think there's a second reason. I think Christians have looked to this letter because it's so ordinary. And the Christian life is often lived out in the ordinary things of life. It's lived out in a world of friends and emails and, and even little conflicts between church members. And so while you won't find deep explanations or, or memorable Bible quotes here in John's third letter, I think you can pick up four simple practices that will bless your life. So let's read it today. And we are going to read the whole book. The whole book today. You can go home and impress uh, all of your friends and family by saying that, that you sat through a sermon where the, an entire book of the Bible was read today. John is so short that it really doesn't even have chapters. It just has verses. Because it's all just one. And here's how it starts. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It's kind of like the same thing as, as Peter's letter. You know, I, I'm doing well. I hope that, to find you in good health as well. So you can see that how personal this is. To my dear friend Gaius, he wants to to ask about his health. It sounds like something that we might write today. 
to a good friend. Uh, maybe we'd send it in an email, maybe we'd communicate in some other way, but it's the kind of thing that is personal and intimate and person to person. So whether we use Facebook or some other way to communicate like that, that's what we have here in this letter. We are reading Gaius's mail, literally. John continues, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continually walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, Gaius wasn't his physical child, but he was someone in the faith that he had obviously mentored, and he considers Gaius to be like a son to him. And he's excited to hear that Gaius is, is walking in the truth. You know, it's, all, it's always good to hear. Um, you, you hope that the people that you've mentored um, are leaving a good impression on others. And, and John is excited to hear that Gaius is walking in the truth. He's not into lies or self-deception. He's a person of truth, and John is thrilled to hear it. I have no greater joy than hearing that my child, children are walking in truth. So here's the first practice to follow to bless your, your life and, and maybe the life of your mentor, your parents, your pastors, your teachers, anyone who has poured their life into you, they will want to hear about you, that you walk in the truth. So that's practice number one. Walk in the truth. Follow the truth. Seek the truth. Speak the truth. John reports in the 17th chapter of his gospel that Jesus prayed for you and me. It actually says that he's praying for us. You can look it up. 17th chapter of John. And he says, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And then in chapter 8, John reports that Jesus said that if you hold on to his teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John is thrilled because he's heard that his good friend Gaius is walking in the truth. And the devil just hates that. Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. And nothing can de derail the good life that God intends for us, like listening to lies or telling them, especially to ourselves. There's a song that we often sing at the, the 10 o'clock service. It's called Truth Be Told. And the first verse goes like this. Lie number one, we're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, it says, the truth is rarely told. That is so true. We tell ourselves that we're fine. We don't need anybody's help. We don't need the church. We don't even need God. We've got this. Or we know we need help, but we tell ourselves a lie that no one will help us because we aren't loved by anyone. We're too broken to fix. Those of you who have battled with depression know that voice in your head that speaks the lie that there is no hope, that you are beyond helping, that things will never change, never get better. But that voice is a liar. 
The truth is you are a beloved child of God and your hope is in Jesus. And as he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. That's John 16, 33. Practice number one, walk in the truth. Now we continue with his letter. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitalities to such people so that we may work together for the truth. The thing about reading someone else's mail is that you don't know all of the context. Um, but it appears that a group of Christian teachers or missionaries, pastors, some kind of folks who are going out for the sake of the name have stopped by Gaius's church. And FYI, this is the only letter, in the, this is the only book in the New Testament that doesn't specifically say Jesus or Christ. It says, for the sake of the name. <clears throat> but we know that, uh, that for John, the name above all names is Jesus. Uh, we're talking about Christian, Christians who've gone out to spread the good news. Anyways, they're visiting Gaius' church, and he has welcomed them. He's given them some kind of support. Maybe he's even... Um, helping support them in their future missionary travels. We don't know, but, but John commends their hospitality to these Christians who were strangers to Gaius. He commends his hospitality. So practice number two is show hospitality to strangers, especially those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, a lot of the changes that we've, we've made over the past few years here at Resurrection have been made for the sake of, of showing hospitality to others. Even uh, things like the parking lot out there. Uh, when, the, when the parsonage was torn down and the parking lot was expanded uh, as a sign of welcome to others so that, so that people wouldn't have to park out on the street or come quite so far. And we're still doing that, that work today. They've just marked the, that little parking lot um, on the east side of the church and the sidewalk that's all up and down and, and torn up. We're getting that replaced here this month. Uh, we're still trying to, to welcome people in the best way possible. The coffee shop, the, the new bathrooms, the classrooms that, that have been upgraded and the upgrades to the sound system and, and cameras and such so that we can better live stream our, our services and welcome those who are worshiping with us online. Um, all these things we've done for the sake of hospitality. And... It took your generosity, just like Gaius was, was generous to those Christians, it takes your generosity to allow us to, to welcome and show hospitality to others. We still have a, about $700,000 left on the mortgage to do all of this. Um, but thanks to you, we're able to pay a little bit extra each month so the mortgage is being eliminated as soon as possible. Practice number two is to show hospitality 
The Bible says when you, don't, when you do that, you just never know. You just never know who you are going to welcome. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Practice number two, show hospitality to strangers. Verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We'll also speak, we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. Well, here you have two people there, um, Diotrephes and Demetrius, one who is doing good and the other who is, well, causing some trouble. This may be the first complaint about a pastor in recorded history. See, it doesn't say Diotrephes is a pastor, but it does say that he likes to think of himself as number one in their church. And he has some kind of power to stop others from welcoming visiting Christians. And he talks a lot of nonsense. So, pastor, you be the judge. John says, don't imitate that kind of behavior. Instead, imitate what is good. Do good. So practice number three is do good. Don't follow bad examples like Diotrephes, even if he is the pastor. Just do good instead. You know, why is it from a young age we are so quick to follow bad examples and so slow to follow good ones? Next door to my grandson's, there lives another little boy. I'll call him Billy. Billy's the kind of little boy that would come over to his neighbor's house, turn on the hose, and drench the neighbor's grandpa, even though he'd never met him. <laughs> and even though he was told to leave the hose alone. Now, being a year older than my grandson, my grandson idolizes Billy. Just last week, Billy came over, and he wasn't there for 30 seconds and suddenly chaos broke out. And my grandchildren were following uh, Billy's example. We seem so quick to follow bad examples. But John urges us to follow good. Follow good examples. So practice number three is do good. And then finally, John wraps up his, uh, his little message with these words. I have so much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greeting. Greet the friends there by name. That's it. The letter is done. We've read the entire book. It's quite an accomplishment. Well, maybe not so much 
But what we've done is we've got a little glimpse into a couple of people's lives. And here in the end, there's one last lesson for us, I think. In this closing, John says that there's some things that he wants to talk about, but that they should talk about them face to face, not through the mail. Or we could say not through email or Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or whatever media platform that you like to use. There are some conversations that are done best face to face. Jesus himself talks about one such case where he talks about if someone in the church does something against you to hurt you or to make you mad. So, so what do you do? You don't sit down and write out an email blasting them. You don't spread malicious nonsense about them on Facebook. You don't send them a nasty gram on Instagram. No, Jesus says the first thing you do is you meet with them face to face and you try to talk things out. And if that doesn't work, Jesus has a whole list of other things that you can go on to. You can find this in Matthew chapter 18. And John would have us follow the, the way of Jesus and talk these things out face to face. He says, there's so much that I, want, that I want to write to you, but I don't want to do it in pen and ink. I hope to see you and talk face to face. So practice number four is for important conversations, do it face-to-face, -face, not through media. Just do it face-to-face. -face. Well, that's, uh, that's the end of John's third letter. Pretty short, almost like an email. When AOL wanted to alert you to a message, it would loudly announce, you've got mail. Well, today, I'm the voice reminding you, you've got mail. You've got mail from God right here. And one of those messages is the third letter of John. It doesn't even take two minutes to read it. If you say you don't have time to read the Bible, you can read a whole book in less than two minutes. But it still carries quite a message. Walk in the truth. Show hospitality. Do good. Talk face to face. Not bad for just a little message, is it? Let's pray. God, the Christian life is not always filled with, with great adventures, with wonderful quotes, with marvelous in-depth teachings. Sometimes our life is just lived out in ordinary ways, whether that be the life of an ordinary young man writing home to his parents, or whether it be the life of John and Gaius as they communicate through this letter in the Scripture. God, help us to, to see you in the small things, to take the little nudges, the little advice, and to apply them to our lives so that our lives are a little better. God, you have, have blessed us now with this gorgeous weekend. And we are thankful for it. But we also thank you for your word. For your word is truth. Help us to live in the truth. 
as we walk with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.